Hey, hey, everyone in podcast land. This is Andrea Maxim with another amazing episode of the Profitable Practice Podcast. And I really wanted to simplify things again. So in our last week's episode, we were talking about just simplifying starting your practice. And we did that with Louisa. And we just said, you know what? You don't have to invest a ton of money. You don't have to do a lot of things. You don't have to make things more complicated than they have to be. Um, But you do have to take action. And there are some basic steps that you need to take. And now today I wanted to bring on a guest who's going to talk about kind of how to free up your life. So instead of working, worrying about the sort of life business balance, we just want to talk about life balance and you should never be um, or never allow your business to be all consuming. Now, of course, when you're first getting going, I'm expecting you to hustle a little bit more and work a little bit more and create those systems for yourself. I'm hoping that if you've been listening to these podcasts, though, I've given you a lot of ways for you to set up your practice right the first time. And so what we're talking about today is we're talking about how you can um, really strategically create a business that's going to run even if you're not there. So it's, it's more about spending more time where you want to. We're not talking about group programs. We're not talking about passive income or online streams or anything like that so much. We're just talking about how you can really start to create your practice in such a way that it is going to start becoming a better way for you to run your life so that your business isn't running your life. And that's really what I wanted to bring Joseph on for, Joe, my buddy Joe, to talk about with us today. Now, before we get into that, I always want to start by saying who has sponsored this podcast show. This uh, sponsor is the 7-Day Detox Program. So if you go to maximizebusiness.ca forward slash seven, the number seven day detox program. That is my signature program that I use with my patients. Almost every single shift that I'm in the office, at least someone is buying a detox powder, starting that with me. And I've packaged it all up for you so that you can easily implement it exactly how it is into your own office. What I am going to be doing though, hopefully by now, if you've been, if the uh, show is in September, is I'm going to be revamping the whole thing. So it's a lot more streamlined. There's a lot more support. There's going to be a lot more videos and tutorials of how I use it with my practice, answering all the questions that have come up. Um, and if you opt in, you will get all of that. And as I continue to make it better, you will also get advantage of those as well. So check it out, Seven Day Detox Program in uh, the MaximizeBusiness.ca website. But let's jump on the interview with Joe. Hello, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on the show. As I was saying before the um, recording started is you were one of those people that I kind of fell upon your website and I was like, holy shit, like this guy is really on it. Like you have tons and tons of references and resources and you're doing so phenomenal. So it's like a joy and a thrill to have you on my show, the Profitable Practice Podcast. I know you have your show as well. Um, And today I'm really pumped because we're not going to be talking about like business structure and how to make a lead magnet and how to make a website. We're going to talk about, you know, the whole reason why we're running a business and taking it to that level of, you know, you're not supposed to be living in your business. You're supposed to have a life 
outside of your business too. But before we get to that, Joe, will you um, kindly just give us kind of a background history on you and, and how you got into, you know, helping other practitioners like the ones that are listening right now also be as successful in their practice as you are? Yeah, Andrea, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. It's always great to find new people you didn't know about and then you're fast friends already. So uh, yeah, my quick story is I graduated from doing um, counseling work uh, and did the typical like nonprofit field where you make $30,000 a year. And uh, then from there, I became a foster care supervisor. But then I did a little bit of private practice on the side. I wanted to pay off student loan debt. And so I just started kind of seeing a few clients on the side and over time that started to pick up and uh, in 2010 at that point I was working at a community college and one of the years working five to ten hours a week I made as much as I made working 40 hours a week and I realized wow this group practice thing could really take off because at that point I had two other counselors that were working for me and people were making money while I was at my other job and I just really realized that this thing could be scalable. And in 2012, um, we had a really rough year as a family. It was uh, a year that my mom had just kind of wrapped up some cancer treatment. We had a brand new baby who had heart issues, and Lucia ended up having to have open heart surgery. Wow. At the end of that, it was like, you know, uh, everything was kind of wrapping up. I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer two weeks after that was all wrapped up. And it was just one of those years where, like, everything hits you. And it made me think about like what kind of lifestyle I wanted to live. And at that point, it's not that I was this like 70 hour a week guy, but I knew that the chapter of working a 40 hour a week job and then also leaving to work, you know, 10 to 20 hours in my side gig needed to come to an end. And so my wife and I really planned out how that looked. And that's when I had launched Practice of the Practice, but put a lot more time into it, which is my website for helping private practice owners to start, grow and scale their practices. And the podcast started to take off. It was one of the first counseling podcasts about kind of marketing a business. And over time, it just kind of built upon itself. And a couple of years ago, I left that full-time job and really had this vision that I wanted to create the lifestyle first. What was best for my family, my friends, mm-hmm. my own health. Um, and then from there, make decisions about the business, which often meant I needed to edit things out or off instead of wear multiple hats like many of us have to do yes and so two summers ago I started taking Fridays off and uh, just to kind of do it as an experiment I'm really big on experimenting and we can talk about what that means in regards to experimenting rather than it's a pass-fail kind of mentality and it worked really well having Fridays off so I kept those Fridays off so then uh, a year ago I decided let's try taking Mondays off do another experiment, see if the income stays up. It stays up. It made me more focused. And mm-hmm. so now I have a four-day weekend every weekend. Uh, and we can drill into kind of whatever parts of that you want to. But that's kind of the quick summary of where I've been. Now, coming from all of that, and of course, we know we talk about blocking off time. And this is something that a lot of my coaching clients have difficulties with is you get so overwhelmed and so bogged down by entrepreneurship in general. It's all about the shiny object syndrome for the most part. Um, The fear is, and I was one of them, is I was working six days a week and I was not getting anything done because I would have a patient and then I would have an hour break and then I would have a bunch of patients and then a half an hour break. And then some days I would have like bookend patients and nothing in the middle, but you're still distracted because you have that patient still on the books. You know, 
I, it wasn't until I um, went on my first maternity leave that I said, okay, I'm going to come back and I'm going to restructure my time because I had to. But this is something that we really should be doing well before we actually have to. And what's the, you know, the difference you find in the people that you talk to and in your own practice of blocking and compartmentalizing your time? Because it's a scary thing. Like, well, what if patients can only see me on a Friday? More often than not, they want to see you, they'll make it work. But we have this fear of always catering to them, not catering to our life. So could you touch on that? Yeah, I think part of it is this there's not enough time, mm-hmm. uh, which usually comes out of us comparing ourselves to other people. So-and-so is always on Twitter. So-and-so has so many more blog posts than me. They have a prettier practice or a better website or whatever that comparison is that you do between other practice owners. Um, but when you step back and you reflect and say, what do I want here? And I think it's oftentimes maternity leaves or cancer or other things that clarify, you know, I need to create the life that I want. Uh, that clarifies that for us rather than just sitting down right now and saying, well, what do I want? And so what we need to look at is you have enough time. Uh, And so looking at what's the best use of your time. We just did this uh, event called Slowdown School where uh, private practice owners came and for the first two days of this week, we slowed down, we went hiking, we got massages and had yoga. And then the last three days of it, uh, what we did is we focused on their business. And every single one of our participants said that if we hadn't done those two days, Mm -hmm. uh, they wouldn't have been as focused on what they needed to edit later on because the most important things were most important to them. And so what often happens, and this is what happened at the event, is when you first start slowing down, it's very anxiety producing because there's a lot of, I should be working on my website, I should be blogging, I should be doing SEO, all those great things that you teach people but we have to stop and say why. And so that first day is often very hard. And then if you really allow yourself to rest and lean into that day, the next day you start to have a lot of those insights. And so when people don't take a weekend, when they do six days a week, when they always are serving their clients during times they don't want, they aren't having that time to really reflect on what's most important here. And so I really encourage my consulting clients to say, first, what do you want? Like I just talked to someone this morning and she works with a really volatile kind of divorced population. And she said, I really only want eight of those clients a week. That's the most I can do. Well, how many do you have right now? I have 15. Okay. We need to work towards getting you more play therapy clients and getting you more of your ideal client so that you can sustain this career over a lifetime. Uh, Because oftentimes what happens is we think I have to serve that person on that Friday or Saturday morning to keep the business afloat because of the fears and anxieties we have or, you know, we might get a reputation change or whatever the reason is. Uh, But you're more likely to burn out. What happens if you end your career 10 years early or you say, you know what, I got to close my practice because, you know, I'm going to get a divorce if I don't. Like you then have shortchanged society because you ended 10 or 15 years earlier than you should have. So working backward from what are some of the healthy building blocks is where I always start with my consulting clients. And I think that's very, that's very insightful and something that I didn't even think of is sort of the longevity piece. Now, how about just getting shit done, like compartmentalizing your time so you can actually be productive when you're actually working on your business? How have you found that to be? Supportive. Yeah, so I have every you know iPhone or phone has a notes section. Uh, so I'm super like I don't use fancy like time management systems. I just have a note on my phone, and at the top it says today in all caps, and then right underneath there it says someday. My someday list is gigantic. I have ideas all the time that I just drop into there. So I'm driving down the road, and I'm like, oh, I could do this. Uh, and so then I just say, look into drop shipping or whatever my new thing is. 
Um, and that's on my someday list. If I ever get bored, I have all these ideas there. And then I clarify what my big thing is for the day. What's it going to take to be successful today? And what can I actually get done? And so for me, there's things like being on podcast interviews, showing up for my consulting clients, showing up for my counseling clients. But in those spaces between that, I'm very focused on what I need to achieve. So for example, one of my email lists, I'm going through it and I'm looking at that automated sequence. And it's really important that I have a very clean structure to that because in the past I'd write an email, throw it into the email list, write an email, and it wasn't as structured as I want it to be. That's my big thing, not checking my email, not going on Facebook, none of that other stuff. Today, it's all about working on the email list. And so if you know what's the big thing you do in between your clients, uh, that's gonna make it very clear where you need to spend your time. Uh, I think we try to take too much on in a day and we do a bunch of things half-ass and then nothing gets done. Whereas if you just said, I'm going to work on this one thing today, tomorrow I'm going to work on this next thing, this day I'm going to schedule to plow through all the emails I've ignored for two days and I'm going to turn off all my notifications, you get so much more done when you have that laser focus for 90 minutes working on an email sequence versus I'm going to do it here and I'm going to limp along for six months. I think that last moment, that last thing that you said was what has been a game changer for me. Turning off notifications on your phone is probably the best thing that I've ever done in the yeah. past five years of being in business. And it was on an email and they said, how do you want to be more productive? And they said, turn off your Facebook notifications, turn off yep. Twitter, turn off your Instagram notifications. Cause again, we get so distracted. And then a half an hour later, we've been scrolling through social media and didn't get anything done. So that's yeah. my next question for you is, okay, I'm looking at my day today. I have a two hour window that I could work on my emails. What yep. are some of the tactics that you use to stay in that moment, to stay focused yeah. and not get distracted? Yeah, so my notifications on my phone in regards to like my, you know that little red dot, those are all off all the time. I wanna say I'm intentionally going into my email and now I'm doing that. I also have none of the notifications on my computer, so I never see those things come up. So that's first. Second, I always set a timer. And so if I knew that I had 90 minutes and say I had this podcast interview, I'd think, well, I probably want to get a drink of water. I want to probably go to the bathroom. I want to be mentally prepared for Andrea's <laughs> podcast. And so I work backwards. So I might set it for 80 minutes. So I have 10 minutes to just like mentally prepare for being on your podcast or having a client or whatever your thing is. And then I set a timer for 80 minutes. And uh, I sometimes I'll say, what do I need to be successful during this time? So it might be, you know, I'm going to go into Aweber. Or I'm going to work on Google Drive or whatever whatever kind of assets I need to get things done during that time. I shut the door to my office. Uh, people know when the door is shut, I'm either with a client or doing something they can't interrupt. So that's a boundary you set if you have staff or workers. Uh, I silence my phone. So even during that time, my wife, my assistants, like they can't get a hold of me. Um, now, that's where you have to then start setting up systems where other people are available for you. Because yes. if you are the person, so for me, mental health counselor, if I'm not available and someone has a suicidal ideation and they're trying to get a hold of me, that's one, a liability issue. It's terrible customer service and it's just bad form. And so you've got to then work backward and say, for me to scale, I've got to take myself out of the unimportant things, hand those off to someone that's 15 bucks an hour, have them be going through my email during the day, have them be answering the phone calls, taking as much off of my plate so that I can work on the things only I can work on. I can't send my assistant to come to a podcast interview with Andrea, with you, and say, you know, jump in there, but I can have her checking my email while I'm on this podcast interview, and it cost me 15 bucks to have her do that for this full hour that we're talking here. So let's talk about this part, because this is a massive part of, 
you know, we want that dream practice. We all want to have like our bank account well in the black. We want to have streams of patients coming into our office. And I've talked about this on a previous podcast and it's sort of like, well, what is the reality of what that situation is going to look like? And there's a lot of big businesses that started off by wanting massive, massive growth and couldn't handle it and had to fizzle out or quit their job or something. So this is a really important conversation that I want us to have is kind of how to copy yourself, if you will, or at least feel comfortable delegating. Now, the first objection that will typically come up is, well, I can't afford somebody for $15 an hour. So how do you kind of coach people through that? Because quite honestly, of course, people are going to say, well, you can't logically afford not to do it, but it's not that simple. You can't just say, well, you should. How do you kind of get people warm to that idea? Yeah. So uh, I think part of it is looking at just your hourly. And so if you're a naturopath and you're charging a hundred bucks a session or 200 or three, whatever your rate is, uh, how many hours of time does that buy? And if you're full enough that people are coming in that you're either turning them away or not seeing as many people as you could in a week, uh, that's like you being a $200 an hour secretary. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think when I say that to people and they realize that you're the most overpaid person to be answering the phone, doing the scheduling, uh, that's a really big deal. The other side of it is there's a certain level of professionalism um, that's added when you add layers between you and your clients. I think people say, well, I'll lose that personal nature. They know that they'll email me and I'll email them right back or I'll call them on the phone. Well, that's true, but imagine you were hiring an attorney um, or kind of a traditional person, you know, a personal doctor or someone else, like you would not expect to call, you know, almost any other professional business and have that person answer the phone, do the scheduling, give you a super bill, use your HSA. Uh, But in our field, in counseling, and also in your field, that seems to be more common where Mm. you aren't adding those layers of who gets access to you. And so what I see is during the kind of first phase of practice, the startup phase, people are ready to wear multiple hats, bootstrap it, keep costs down, which is totally fine at that phase. Um, But when you're in the black, when you start to make more of a profit, you get into that growth phase that kind of just under six six figures, um, that's when you really need to start saying, which hats can I take off Mm -hmm. and give to other people? Because you're best as the clinician, not as the person doing all these ancillary things. Um, Then I think when you're looking at scaling, looking at adding other people that meet needs that you're getting requests for. So that may be adding a massage therapist. That may be adding another naturopathic doctor. That may be finding other people that complement your services. And then at some point you need to look at someone that can replace your services. So if you focus on a certain type of client, how do you find someone that is a copy of you as the doctor um, to take those? Because if you can't start to uh, really outsource some of that even to other doctors and keep that money in house, what happens is the only way for you to make more money is for you to see more patients because you'll get to a point where you outsource as much as you can. Yeah. And the only way to increase income is to see more clients and that, that's not scalable. Yes. Now, what are some resources or what are some of the stepping stones that you've used to start reaching out to people? I mean, the obvious one is that hiring a receptionist like somebody in your office, but are you using um, virtual assistants? Are you hiring people that aren't physically in your practice? 
Yeah, so we actually don't have a receptionist here, even though our person is in Traverse City, which is the city we're in. Um, so she's 100% virtual. She pops into the office if an office is open, um, but we don't have someone that greets people here. Now that may not work in everybody's market, but for us, you know, we have a multi-clinician group practice. Uh, they talk to our scheduler over the phone. She calls them back. It's a local phone number. She does all the coordination, and I only pay her for the time she works. And so if you're saying, I'm going to hire someone 40 hours a week to sit at the front desk, you better have 40 hours a week worth of, of work for that. Yeah. And so, so for me, uh, as practices fluctuate, I want my budget to be able to fluctuate without saying, you know what, I told you I could do 40 hours, right. but it's actually 20 hours. Um, and so all of our, all of our people are all virtual. And so, um, my own personal assistant, she's also in Traverse city, so we can do face-to-face -face interactions if we need to. Um, but she's hundred percent virtual also. Uh, and so looking at what are those things that you don't necessarily have to have a receptionist for, for example, I mean, that's the square footage you're also paying for physically that you could have another office. You could be, you know, subleasing to a massage therapist or have as a 1099, or there's so many other ways you could utilize that space in a better way. Yeah. So we've got um, compartmentalizing our time. We are now going to be delegating some of those awful tasks that we don't want to do. For instance, I, now that I have a receptionist, I physically hate picking up a stapler and a hole punch. I physically hate it to the point where I'm just so thrilled that like she's worth yeah. the money to do that. Like just little things like that. Yeah. But now let's talk about what we're doing outside of our office hours. So for me, my, my, I jam pack everything from Monday to Wednesday. And then I do see patients on Saturdays, but it's more of a casual day so that I have the rest of the week to kind of do things at home. What do you do with balancing then dad, husband, and work life outside of the practice? Because this is also where the anxiety comes in. Well, I'm off today, so I should be doing X, Y, or Z, but then we're getting sucked back into the business side of things. So how do you help kind of manage your time away from the office? So again, it's more um, your time and your life. Yeah. I'm really big into having rhythms that your family can expect because the worst thing is to have dad be present, but he's not present. His head's off in blogging world or SEO world or whatever I'm thinking about at that time. And so for me, having very clear boundaries has been really helpful. So on Fridays, I'm off, but I can do a little bit of email. That's just a rule I've set for myself that I can kind of catch up so I can go into the weekend with inbox zero. So that's my goal every single week that if for some reason I haven't got to inbox zero, I get to that on Friday by, you know, like one o'clock. And then once I turn off the computer uh, for the weekend, it's off until Sunday evening when I look at the time and look at uh, like what's going to be my coming week. Uh, so it really, I don't go on social media. I don't check my email. Uh, I don't do anything work related except I might listen to a podcast or read a book for a little bit that's more kind of fun or development or something I look forward to. But even that, um, I specifically don't do that on Saturday. That would be allowed on Sunday. So I set some very clear boundaries for myself. Now what that forces me to do is if my girls wake up early as a six-year-old and two-year-old always do, if I don't want to put them in front of Netflix and want to actually engage with them, then I have to figure out what am I going to do instead of thinking about my business. So then it forces you to start to figure out, here's the kind of things that I want to do with my family. So we have rhythms like our friends Paul and Diane, they come over most weekends and uh, we'll play board games with them, we'll make dinner together with them. And having things that we can count on, uh, it really forces you to do things other than your business. Uh, but what I think what happens, similar to the people that came to Slowdown School, is there is this anxiety when you're first doing it. Like, yeah. I, I, 
I, I should be doing more blogging. I should be doing more of this. Well, when you first start out, I think taking notes on that and then on Monday or Tuesday, whatever your first day of the week is, just say, how can I get my assistants to start doing this? How can I get someone to start blogging for me or do 90% of the article? And then I go through and I add that clinical expertise on top of it. Or uh, I shouldn't be making infographics for my website or I shouldn't be making the videos for it. I need to hire someone that I can count on that will do that work for me. And that's trainable for whatever my next steps are too. Yeah. So for somebody who's just starting out, you know, where they don't have the influx of people coming in, are all of these strategies we're talking about still applicable? I would say you probably don't want to implement all of them because you want to have cash flow coming in. <clears throat> Excuse me. You also don't necessarily want to have a lot of risk as you're starting out. And so what you want to do is create systems that are easy to hand off. So if you're not busy, uh, making sure that you understand the basics of SEO, the basics of blogging, the basics of those things that help a practice really thrive so that when you hand it off, you can train that person in how you want it done. Um, so if you learn on the front end, that's a great time for you to really become more of an expert. It doesn't mean you're going to do it long term, but you'll be able to create that system. So people, like if you have a Mac, for example, QuickTime is comes on a Mac, you can do screen recordings. And so as you develop mm -hmm. things to create training videos throughout with that free time so that you can eventually hand it off to someone. Yeah, that's so smart. Now, how about um, some of the pitfalls that you find people falling into? So we've definitely talked about them in a roundabout way, you know, not using your time properly and not outsourcing. But what are some of the traps that you find a lot of entrepreneurs get into either starting to grow their practice, getting to that point where they have to start making some changes as it's starting to outgrow the foundation that they've created? Do you have any stories about that? Yeah, so I think what I see often happens is people, when they're kind of bootstrapping at the beginning, uh, they figure out what makes it work uh, from just whatever resources they have available. They're, they're less likely to invest in an electronic medical record system. They're less likely to invest in, you know, some sort of um, like IT person that oversees their website so that if it goes down, it can come back up. So I think as you start to grow, you have this kind of hodgepodge of things that keep your practice going. And it works good enough. You know, if you're at six figures or multi six figures, um, you may keep going with that. But then you kind of got to stop and step back and say, is this the best system? If I knew that I was going to have this much gross money coming in every year, uh, would I put together this kind of bootstrap system or are there better systems now that could help? So for example, um, I use Meet Edgar, which is a way to automate your social media marketing. Uh, I don't just have that go and don't engage, but I can then send out blog posts. I can send things out on my various social media platforms so that instead of posting things, I can just engage with people after they kind of connect on social media. Right. So that's sort of expensive. I think it's 60 or 70 bucks a month, uh, which is a lot of money. But then when I think about how much would it cost to pay a virtual assistant to go through and schedule those out every single month, um, it would be way more than that. And so starting to realize that your time is your most valuable asset is a huge mindset shift because everything it takes to get to that scaling phase is hard work, working the long hours. But then to really get to that multi six figure or million dollar mark, it takes taking as much off your plate as possible and having multiple layers of people between you and your clients and you and kind of the issues that are happening. Yeah. Any other um, tips that you have for people to 
kind of step outside of their business and let it go or create, you know, like, as you just said, the meet Edgar is a wonderful thing. And I'm always, always about the set it and forget it. Like that's so yeah. my favorite saying, but is there anything else that you've come up with or have seen work with your clients or yourself to really help again, create more of that life balance, not work life yeah. balance? Yeah. So, um, one thing that's been really helpful for me is to think about the ideal day or the ideal week. And so Andrea, if you were my consulting client, I'd say, let's just say that everything was going to keep going. Your practice was going to be amazing. You're going to hit all your targets, but you got to decide exactly how much you were going to work in a week. And so we might walk through, well, on Monday, I'd like to go stand up paddle boarding, you know, and then on, you know, I'd like to go into work starting at 11, but be done by four. And then on Tuesday, I, I think it'd be fun to have that be like a full-on work day where I'm seeing tons of patients. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd love to on Wednesday to maybe do some networking, get coffee with uh, people that are good referral sources and maybe write a blog post and then see some clients. So you walk through your ideal week. Uh, and that then gives you a goal to work towards because if we don't change what we've been doing, we're going to just keep doing what we've been doing. Yeah. And we're going to get the same outcomes. And so if you have a new goal uh, of, okay, I want to take Fridays off, um, what happens then is during your work time, you say to yourself, well, I'm not going to get Friday off if I don't get my shit done right now. Uh, I need to really focus in on this and not dink around on social media. Um, and so the more that you start to say, well, really, how little can I work and how much can I get done? it starts to gamify it where it's like, well, could I keep making multi six figures and work two and a half days? What else could I outsource? Yeah. And so it then perpetuates itself. And as you start to, whether it's take time off or go on vacations or, you know, volunteer with a nonprofit you care about, whatever the impact is that you want to have on the world, you start to see that you've had such tunnel vision on your practice um, that you've been missing out on a lot of the other things that are part of the life experience. Yeah, that's so fantastic. And what was, you just mentioned it, now I'm completely losing my train of thought. Oh yeah, about how I kind of reflect on my business or at the end of the year, I'll be like, oh, I made just as much money as I did last year and I didn't work nearly as hard. Like it's sort of like, it is a fun little game that you can yeah. play. <laughs> yeah, totally. And even when, when you think about launching something new, so if people are doing things outside of just the practice, like what would it look like to have an e-course? What would it look like to have you know a better email funnel? Those kind of things uh, really help you move from the one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But one to many is definitely the next step for someone that has a thriving practice. And that's where with Slowdown School or other things, looking at how do I impact people and take what I'm doing in an individual session with, with my clients and my patients and expand it. Maybe really interested in the effect of carbohydrates on your diet and inflammation and cancer and all of that. So you think, okay, I see so many people that are dealing with you know, carbohydrate addictions. Well, if I had all of my clients in front of me, all my patients, and I could give them something before they ever stepped foot in the door, and they would be more prepared to get more out of their sessions mm -hmm. with me, what would be the, the three, five, or seven kind of questions I would have to answer? Well, you know, with carbohydrates, let's just talk about what they are. You know, white potatoes are as high on the glycemic index as white sugar. So you start to think about just the basics of it. And then you'd work through, okay, how can we actually form a habit here? So maybe you pull from a book like The Power of Habit or other works that are out there. So then you start to create the bones of something that could genuinely help your current clients, um, but that also is scalable outside of just that one-on-one -on -one work. You can move into webinars. You can move into doing consulting on more of a national level or internet level you can create e-courses and that's where I see really successful practitioners move is taking mm -hmm. things that worked with their community no matter how big you can be in a big city um, but you're still just limited by that community 
versus, okay, how can I take this globally or even just, you know, internationally in my area or uh, my specific specialty um, to take what I'm seeing every single day as a clinician and go well outside the boundaries of, of my individual practice. So this is a very important point that you're talking on that I think is important for us to tackle right now, if you don't mind. And that is the the influx of ideas that come into our practice. And where I see also a lot of healthcare practitioners tripping up is they want to do so many things that they haven't even simplified what they've got going right now. They just keep wanting to add and add and add and add. So I wanna ask you, you know, how do you help coach people through that? Or how did you do that yourself where you know, your, your list is massive on your someday list, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you should be executing it. You should be getting your other systems kind of running somewhat automated, so to speak, before starting to add a new thing. So how do you help people kind of taper down the number of pieces of pie they want to take into their business to maybe three or four solid slices instead of 20 little ones? Yeah, so when we first start a mastermind group or individual consulting, we start with your KPIs, your key performance indicators. Um, One of those is usually how much money do you want to come in per week. Um, Another one that I usually do is how many hours do you want to work per week. Mm. Uh, And so when you start there, that's a different point than just I want to make more money. And so uh, when people come to me and they say, I want to launch a podcast, I want to launch an ebook, whatever their kind of big idea is, we always start with what's working now. What's the low hanging fruit? Well, I have a practice that, you know, it's 80% full. Okay, why isn't it 200% full? Why don't we have extra people there? That's low hanging fruit that the more successful your practice is, the easier it is for you to step away from it. And so we want to tighten up kind of all those nuts and bolts before we move on to something else because it's all going to get jiggly, the kind of more work that you do. So I start with what's the low-hanging fruit, okay? You have these people that you're turning away and referring out. Let's add more clinicians to your practice. Uh, Let's get a little bigger space. Let's get subletters, whatever your model is. Um, Let's really get that low-hanging fruit. And then we can start to look at those big ideas if we pull you out of that. Because if you're working 50 hours already and now you want to add a podcast to it, you and I both know that it's not just this hour conversation. There's the editing, the show notes, all these other things that go with it that are unforeseen. So you've got to look at how am I going to carve time out of my schedule and what needs to happen in order to do that. Whether or not it's a podcast, an e-course, it doesn't matter what the big idea is. It's that we need to make sure that this thing is running as automated as possible. Uh, I can show up and do the part only I can do, and then it just keeps going. So with mental wellness counseling, what that looks like is, um, yes, I'm in the office, but I'm more likely going to be working on practice of the practice type stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what I actually touch with our, our group practice is I still make sure I review all the checks that go to people. I want to have the final say on that. There's just been so much money laundering in the world. I don't want someone else writing my checks yeah. or, or having access to my bank account. Uh, and that takes me about 20 minutes a week to do that. I want to be in charge of the marketing and the branding. And so that's probably another hour a month that I spend on it. And outside of that, I'm so I'm probably spending two to three hours a month running the practice other than yeah. my own clients that wow. I see. Yeah, yeah. So it's as automated as possible. So then I can go do all sorts of other things because I know the income that's coming in there is enough for my family. It's enough for the business. And I don't have to worry about it because it's on autopilot. That's a different kind of freedom than, okay, I'm running full tilt. Now I'm going to run more full tilter. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. 
so again, if so, let's say somebody isn't able to um, have associates come into their practice. They're just an associate themselves, so they don't own the building, but they have all of these ideas. I want to make a course on this. I want to do this. I want to do that. What would you say to those people to say, look, like just get these things in place and then you can start to get bigger and bigger and bigger? Yeah, I think starting with one thing. So what's something that would be a good experiment? So I referenced that earlier. So you want to test the market before you spend a year working on something. And so it may be that you start with an email list. You kind of put it out there and then you have an automated, you know, 10 person e or 10 email uh, sequence that goes out. It might be that you host a webinar and see if people sign up for it. Uh, those are great ways to really experiment around your big idea. And so figuring out a platform would be number one. So is it that you want to sign up for email lists, do you want to have something like Webinar Ninja um, to test it out. Then you know you can run some Facebook ads, you can connect with other Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups of professionals and say uh, I'm doing this webinar on this topic, I, I think I might want to launch a course someday but I don't know, I'd love for you guys to come and give me feedback on this as to where I can go from here. So then you kind of test it out, you look at the data and then decide is this going to be worth my time. And early on, you know, an e-course, a podcast, all those things, they don't usually make money. But they do a number of other things. They help you level up within the field. You can have conversations with people that you normally wouldn't have. I mean, you and I, like if you just randomly reached out to me and said, hey, I want to talk to you on the phone, <laughs> yeah. that's different than will you be on my podcast. Exactly. Uh, and so it gives you a bigger platform to work from where you can talk to people that you normally wouldn't have had the opportunity to talk to. 100%. So that, so then I'd say after that kind of gets going, um, look what's working and edit the things out that aren't. Because um, you usually don't need to do the 10 things you started working. You don't need to do the webinar and the email course and the Facebook Lives and the podcast. Um, really look at where is your audience coming from for your big idea and stay focused around those things that are working. Uh, this guy, Andy Crestadina, uh, who has Orbit Media, talks about making little unicorns. And so when you find something that works, um, for example, I wrote a blog post like five years ago um, called How to Name a Private Practice. And I didn't do any SEO work, but I just noticed that that was my number two page. And I realized that when you Googled how to name a private practice, it was ranking number one, which is lucky for me. Um, you know, you sometimes kind of accidentally strike gold. So then I made little unicorns. I made a follow-up for it. I made a checklist of ways to do it as an email opt-in. I did a podcast on how to name a practice. And guess what? Those things all are some of my most popular things. So you find things that work and then you make little unicorns of them. I love that. Who doesn't yeah. want to make a little unicorn? Oh man, it was, it, my daughter sometimes has trouble sleeping. This has nothing to do with anything we're talking about, but she sometimes will have trouble sleeping because you know she's six. And so I'll just make up like random things for her to think about as she falls asleep. And um, you know, you see all those like uh, unicorns farting rainbows or different yeah. things like that. And yeah. so I'll just start saying like, imagine if a unicorn farted a rainbow and then it turned into a cloud, what would the rain look like? And then she'll be like, that is a great question. And she goes <laughs> right to sleep. <laughs> oh my goodness. So now for all the parents out there, this yeah. podcast just like, this was, yeah. that was it. That was the gold nugget to take yeah. away. Don't I'm worry about business I can't fall asleep deck of cards. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Joe. This was such a pleasure and your website is so phenomenal. So if people wanted to get in touch with you or um, get into your, uh, you have a monthly thing on Facebook. What is it again? 
Yeah, I have all sorts of different things going on, but probably practiceofthepractice.com. That's where the podcast is, all sorts of different things. Uh, The big thing that I have uh, each year, I have three or four different world changers challenges. Um, And so these are different challenges. So for example, in June, we do one where if you have a big idea, like a podcast or an e-course, we run full tilt towards that in a week's time to kind of plan it out, launch it, and give you some support during that week. Uh, In September's, we all write an e-book in that month. And so how do you put together your big idea then into an ebook? And then in the winter, we do uh, how do you launch an email course? Uh, how do you get your first 100 subscribers to it? So these are all free. It's just a way to kind of connect people with big ideas beyond just their practice. Uh, and you can sign up for that at practiceofthepractice.com forward slash challenge. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joe, again. And definitely check out the website. Um, I'm sure we will be in connection again and again. I'd love to have you back on the show. Um, And thank you so much for everything that you're doing because we need more people like us, you know, leveling the playing field and saying that this is definitely a viable profession. You just have to be smart about it. Absolutely. Well, Andrea, thanks so much for having me. All right, guys, there is another interview in the books and I am having, I'm recording this on my new webcam. So I bought a Logitech C920 webcam, which I'm absolutely in love with. And I'm recording this from my Burlington office. And if you're watching the video, there's like massive light issues happening. So my forehead is like bright white. So I'm having a difficult time with that. Um, But complete digression. Uh, Back to, of course, the interview at hand. You know, guys, that... If you've been listening to my shows, you know I'm all about you getting on a call with me and taking action, and today is no different. I just finished a two-hour VIP coaching call, and it's amazing how even in 10 or 15 minutes, the amount of clarity and breaking things down into little chunks has such a valuable impact on how you progress with your business, and today is no different. You don't need to be a VIP person to get some of that clarity. And I know that 95% of you are taking this information and it sounds really good and you feel inspired until the show is over and then you haven't done anything. And then months go by and you still haven't done anything. Be that 5% that kill it. Be that 5% that take this information like a pit bull and you run with it. And often you just need a little bit of support, a little kick in the pants, and I will gladly kick you in the butt in order to get you there. So please go to maximizebusiness.ca, click on work with me. It's right on the homepage as soon as you arrive to the website and book that strategy call with me and let's get you moving along in your business. The success that I've had with my clients has been phenomenal. They are doing things that would have taken them a year to do on their own, if not longer than that. And I don't want that for you. There's no time to waste There's no time to wait. There's never a good time. So go to maximizebusiness.ca, click work with me, and we'll set up that call whenever it works for your schedule, and we'll get you taking action. There's also a free download on the website, a complete done-for-you lead magnet and meal plan program that you can start offering your patients to get them onto your list. So check that out too, maximizebusiness.ca. Any other questions or concerns, anything else that I can help you with, guys, contact me. Go to iTunes, leave a review. Go to my website, leave a review. The more reviews we get, the better this podcast is going to be distributed to all the people that need help just like you. Definitely help support the podcast and its growth that way. 
take action, get on that call with me. Let's get going. I'm Andrea Maxim and I'm out.